0: This is the House Flipping HQ podcast, episode number 10. This this, This is the House Flipping Flipping HQ HQ podcast. podcast. (laughs) Giving you the strategies, techniques, and inside secrets of house flipping from today's top house flipping experts. House
1: Flipping flipping HQ. HQ.
0: Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom.
1: Let's get flippin' with your host, Justin Williams.
0: Justin Williams. Alright, welcome everyone to another episode of the House Whooping HQ podcast. I'm super pumped today. Today, I've got a couple of rock stars once again from San Diego, California. These guys I met a couple years ago. Actually, I saw them at a seminar, uh, a club meeting that I went to. They went up and presented. I guess they were on the news, and uh, but you know, at that time, they weren't doing a very high volume. They had just gotten started, and they have just been crushing it this past year. You know, in a market where people say you can't buy houses, and these guys have been investing for a couple years. They had part-time jobs, and now they're just out there killing it. I see stuff from them all over Facebook. They're just doing incredible jobs. Their rehabs are looking amazing. I'm just really excited. I don't even, we were just talking for a minute and I don't even know them that well. You know, I've met them a couple times, but I'm just really excited to talk to them some more, find out more about their journey, find out what they're doing right now in this market to create all the tremendous business that they've done. And I'm just really pumped. So, (laughs) all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, I present to you Patrick Clark and Brian Daly. Thank you, Justin.
2: Thanks for having us on doing? Uh,
0: thanks for coming, guys. So, uh, let's get right into it. Tell us, uh, you know, give us a little more background, help uh, the folks at home understand a little more of where you came from and uh, how you crushed it so quickly over these last couple of years. Yeah, man,
2: it's uh it's been a good journey, Justin. It's uh, Brian and I. We we met. We worked a W-2 job. Uh, we kind of fell into an awesome opportunity to learn real estate. Uh, we were asset managers, and we worked for an outsourcing company And uh, one of the big banks. We worked for a uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. We managed foreclosures for them, and uh, we manage a portfolio of anywhere to, from two to three hundred properties. And we'd get these assigned to us. We'd hire agents to manage them, and we manage Agents through the whole process in uh, getting it ready for market, the advertising it, the sale, you know accepting offers, and sit all the way to close. And in about a four-year period combined between the we sh- and or manage our own portfolios, we sold over 2,500 properties in a in a four-year period. And uh, we weren't making that much money. We both had young families and uh, looking at other ways to do it. So Brian actually was probably kicked me a few times for about a good six months. I like, come out to these meetings. I'm going to these investor club meetings. And uh, finally, one day I went and I was hooked and the rest was history. We we went out there and, and started networking with people and seeing what others were doing and thought, you know, hey, we, we could do this too. So in August 2011, we did our first wholesale deal uh, while we were both working, you know, managing these big portfolios for the bank. And two years later, we just closed our 60th deal in two years. So it's been a, it's been a great <laughs> ride and a great journey.
0: Dude, that's incredible. I think after... Sometimes I need to sit down and actually calculate it, but I think after about three and a half, maybe four years, I had done maybe 40 and that that was pretty good, you know? So after two years though, I'd probably done about, you know, 15. So you guys are crushing it.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the whole thing when we started, I remember it was like, you know, what the chicken or the egg, what comes first, the money or the deal, the deal or the money. And uh, we really went out there to try and find people to give us money first to go do the deal, and didn't have a lot of luck. So we switched our model. Brian mentioned wholesaling to me, and like wholesaling, and and kind of. We went out, and we we started finding deals and just get pounding pavement. We worked our tail off, you know. We work long hours managing these portfolios for the bank. Go home, spend time with the kids, and be on the MLS, scrubbing the MLS till one, two in the morning every single night, getting after it, putting offers out there. And um our first deal we we put in twenty five hundred dollars each in that wholesale deal. I think I didn't even have the money. I had to sell a boat to come up with it <laughs> and uh, we've raised uh over twenty million dollars two years later uh just off of it, getting out there and grinding it so it's a good good fun journey man.
0: jeez, you guys have raised twenty million dollars yeah over the the course of the 60 properties we have several
1: high end ones in there and, and with uh got it. we try to put much of our own money in most of these. Um, right now, we have a bit of our own but for after you know after the big rehabs after the purchase price we're about I think nineteen nineteen and a half million.
0: That's awesome. That's incredible. So that's money that you've used over the course of the last couple of years on these deals. It's not necessarily you have a private money lender that gave you twenty million grand, right? Uh, no, twenty million grand. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> See this? Ugh, what am I doing? Why did I ever start this podcast? I don't even know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so that's phenomenal. So tell us more oh well, first of all i want to talk a little bit you know you guys had jobs it sounds like i hear so many times people make it come up with these excuses of oh i can't do this or that oh i have a job it's too hard but it sounds to me like you just dug deep and you figured out whatever it took to make this happen I mean, how was that like transitioning from a job trying to do real estate and having a job I and mean, how did what was your day like
1: we had I don't want to call it an advantage, but we did have the experience in the real estate market that we knew we knew how to talk to agents. We knew how the escrow process worked. And I know a lot of people start out uh, not knowing any of that stuff. And I, I listened to Tony, uh, your podcast with Tony, and I agree with him in regards. If you have no real estate experience, it does make sense to try to find a job that you can make some money while working in real estate and learning at the same time. But I digress a little bit. The the process was tough. I mean, we worked our butt off. Like Pat said, we were working long hours, and luckily we had some flexibility in the job we had in, in regards to if we had to run out to see a property over lunch, it wasn't a big deal. But for the most part, I mean, we were working close to 16 hours a day every day and weekends, and it wasn't easy on us or the family. But the biggest thing is is we bought into our vision and we followed through with it. And we had to get our, our wives to buy into the vision, too. And luckily, our kids were young enough that they didn't know what was going on.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned you had to get your wives to buy into. I just got a, an email from someone earlier today. And, uh, you know, good luck with this one, buddy. But you know, he, <laughs> he was asking me, he's like, how do I convince my wife? You know, he's spending some money on marketing. And he's trying to figure out how he can convince her that this is a worthwhile uh, thing to get into. What advice would you give him?
1: <laughs> uh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, what I did and what Pat did, I know, is you, gotta, you involve your wife, uh, your significant other in your dreams. You know, you have your own personal dreams, but those become hers when, when you guys tie the knot, right? So that process of having that conversation, finding out what her dreams are and trying to align that vision together and you coming to her with an idea, a plan on how you can make that happen. You got to have the confidence and you got to have, you, know, you got to have that plan and you got to have that, that ideal vision that both of you guys are a part of.
2: It's a partnership. You know, if you don't have her buy-in, um, even if she doesn't believe it or see it, because I remember my wife, she's like, you know, I was like, you know, we're going to go out and try and raise money and flip some houses. And she's kind of <laughs> like, you know, good luck, honey. You know, but she supported me and, and as she saw it happening, you know, she's like, you know, it's cool what these guys are doing. And I put her to work, man. She was, uh, <laughs> nice. I, I put a sticky note on the laptop and I said, find more deals equals more money. So I had her scrubbing the MLS while we were at the office managing our properties. She was, and she jumped right in. And, and it's been cool growth process to have her see what's going on and working with us. And even today, she's doing our design and, She's helping us out throughout the journey from find, helping us find some of our first deals to helping us do the design and just been there along the way. And If you're married, it does take that, even if they don't see the vision that you have, but that support and that buy-in, you know, because there's a lot of times where we work long days, the wives have bad days with the kids, and we're going out to the investor club meetings so late at night. Totally. You know, on, on weekends, going to subgroups and just out there doing it, it takes their commitment alongside of you to achieve that and make it happen.
1: Absolutely. I I think part of that process is too, you know, a lot of Tony mentioned it too in the podcast and you've talked about it. A lot of people go out there to these investor clubs, meaning spend all this time and money trying to learn about it, but never actually go out there and and make action on it. And I can see how that would be frustrating from the significant other point of view. We immediately went out there, made action and started making things happen. And that got them to buy in very quickly. So if you're going to commit to it, if you're going to spend your Combine resources, to marketing. Just make sure that you follow through, that you keep it up. It's persistent. You got to do
0: it. Okay. So, I mean, it's still fresh. I mean, you got two years ago, you guys got going. So, were those things that you did to take action immediately? What specifically, what things did you focus on?
1: First step we took was the investor meetings. We knew we had to get out there and, and have the conversations about the industry that we were trying to get into. So, uh, you know, I think I started going in February, and I, I finally dragged Pat you know, around May or June of 2011. But, you know, I would hit those monthly. It was awkward as all H-E-L-L, if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> uh, you know, it was tough at first. We, You know, I, I when I was going by myself, I'd fly on the wall. You know, I felt small compared to the other people. But it really, you got to get over that and got to get over it quickly. It took me a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, I did it eventually just have the conversations that I need to have. You got to go say hi to people, ask them about their business. People love talking about what they're doing. You know, they, the guys that are doing it well have pride in what they do, and they'll have a conversation with you left and right, you know, asking questions. One of my favorite quotes, and I'm probably botching
2: this, but Jerry Rice said, I do today what others won't, so tomorrow I do what they can't. You know, it takes doing, going out of your comfort zone, going with what's uncomfortable, putting yourself around people that you're not used to is what's going to, Create that change. You know, if you want to be a millionaire, go hang out with millionaires. You're not going to do it by hanging out with your buddies at the bar drinking every single night. You got to change what you're used to and start separating yourself from your peers, what the people around you are normally doing, and go put yourself around the people who are doing what you're doing. And it's as simple as that. It's not as clear as that, but it's as simple as that. You go hang out with the people that are doing what you want to do, and eventually you'll do what they do.
0: I love it. Love it. I can't tell you guys how many times I get comments from people on the, the blog or, or whatnot who, you know, they say, oh, someone told me I can't do this. And I'm like, oh. you know, when I want to do something, I look at someone who's doing it and I think, OK, if these people are doing that, then it's doable. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then I just got to figure out how are they doing it? What's the best way for me to do it? I pretty much ignore everybody else because if they're not doing it, how would they know anything about it? So, yeah, um,
1: you know, on our first wholesale, we didn't know what we were doing. We brought in a wholesaler. We paid him a consulting fee out of our wholesale fee to help us put the deal together. We on our first rehab, we partnered with a guy well, uh, two guys that were doing. They had the money and they were doing flips around San Diego. We did that again with another group of three guys. So our first three or four deals, we did joint ventures. We picked up, we learned, we got the contacts that we needed to do and parted ways as friends. It's not, they knew what we were doing. We were learning and we just took a step ahead every time. So you're not,
0: guess, a, you're not afraid to give up something to get something more in a bigger picture? Not at all. If the other, if the other option is not
1: to do it, you know, there's, <laughs> exactly. There's, you know, now the beauty—that's what I love about this industry—is is
2: there's so many deals out there. You know, I don't know the numbers on the active properties are on the MLS, and, but people are so willing to offer out knowledge. It's not about competition because there's plenty to go around out there, and you just got to know the right areas to look And it. Not to say that you're going to try in an area and get shot down or people kind of bump you to the side. You got to keep trying. You get—you know—that's what defines a person is not how many times they try and fail. It's you keep trying until you succeed and put yourself around those people. Eventually, you're going to find the people you need to be. In. And That's the beauty and what the thing I love about this industry is people are willing to share in their knowledge and their success. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to do, you know go through the traditional routes to get the education. It's just a matter of getting up off your behind and go and do it.
0: Love it. All right, well, let's dive into the meat and potatoes here. What are you guys doing today? In your business, you know, typically, well, if you guys have listened to the show, you know that I typically follow, you know, what I call the four pillars buying, you know, fixing, uh, financing, buying, financing, fixing, and selling. <laughs> so, what does your team consist of? What does your day to day routine look like right now, now that you're full time? Just start, just go for it. Start uh, taking us on that journey. All right.
1: Well, I'll start, I guess, on the buying side. We've got a great team um, and we've gone through growing pains as well. We've hired a lot. We've had to, to uh, part ways with a few. But right now we've got an acquisitions manager, a marketing assistant, a operations manager, an operations assistant, and an accounting manager on our you know investment side. Plus on the, the renovation side, which Pat will get more into, is, is uh, we have two project managers and we have wife as um, our designer. And then we've got a crew of about 15 guys as well, because we have an in-house construction crew now, which again, we'll get into in a little bit. But awesome. the buying side, you know, I, I actually just went to a uh, mastermind session today and it just made it a little bit more clear on how to explain it. But the same way you explain the pillars on flipping homes, there's there's a pillar to, to how you're generating new businesses or new business. And he, the guy that was speaking equated it to the Parthenon in Rome and 10, 10 pillars and your job is to try to fill up those pillars with acquisition marketing items that will generate new business. Love it. Uh, so we went through that exercise this morning and uh, I thank goodness I passed. We, we had 10. Uh, and it starts, you know, basically the way we built our business in, in order to buy the amount of properties we've bought. It's been all about relationships and leveraging relationships to get new relationships. We've gone very hard after not necessarily properties but a property is a means to form a bond with somebody out there that's trying to do something in real estate that we can work together on and do get better at it. And so they're basically, you know, most of our business has come from referrals from realtors that we have over the last two years just generated uh, relationships with that. If they come across something that has some potential there, we're the first ones they call. Same thing you talked about last time with Tony. And, uh, what, you know, I never actually listened to Tony before your, your podcast, but it oh, just awesome. confirmed everything that we um, that we've been doing. And I didn't I didn't know it was it was even out there. But you know, it's we have Marcel and, and myself. Now we have systems in place that you know, once we meet somebody, we have four part mailer series that we send them with a handwritten thank you note, with a little book inside, uh, a Starbucks card or a scratcher, and that goes out in a little handwritten uh, handwritten envelope. It goes out immediately the day after that. Marcel or myself meets somebody that we want to continue to grow. That starts a mailer campaign. You know, for every week or two weeks after that, we send three other pieces. That it's all relatively automated now and describes a different part of our business. It has a letter that introduces a little flyer that we include in it, and that's just one step we take. We send gifts every once in a while. We get FaceTime. We go to networking events. We throw happy hours. We have events at our office. We do a lot of a lot of different things in that regard in order to generate more exposure to new people that we can generate relationships with.
0: That's really cool. I love it. Okay. So you're developing relationships with these agents and other individuals. How would somebody go about, what's the best way to go about starting that initial? I know you mentioned some of the things that you do. Is that how you initially meet them? Or are you driving by a house or on the MLS and you see a listed property? So you call the agent or How do you initially, what's the very first basic, basic steps that someone can do to start to develop these relationships like today? Something
2: that I, because Marcel, our acquisitions manager, he was an asset manager with us when we sold for the bank and he came over and- You guys took everybody, huh?
0: (laughs) 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 They love you. Even
2: for me, you know, I've done over a thousand transactions, managed these agents, told them what to do, all this kind of stuff, and to switch on the other side of buying, the first few calls are- different. They're uncomfortable for you. You It takes you a couple times before you get the confidence in yourself to know what to say. I remember I went through it, Brian went through it, and then when we brought Marcel on, I remember my first conversations with him. Because he would would be calling on a property that a hundred other people are calling this agent saying, you know, throw him everything in the book on why they should sell the property to him. And so I told him, I was like, forget about the property you're calling on. That's a reason to call. But that property is irrelevant to the longer-term goal of it's an opportunity to build a relationship with that agent that can lead to 10 other deals. So don't necessarily focus on what am I going to say to get this one deal. Focus on what am I going to say that's going to separate me different than the other 100 investors or 10 or whatever investors that are calling this agent for that. And so I think it's that, is, is looking at what the focus is, having a bigger agenda That you need to build relationships. You need to what you say you're going to do. You need to do it. I think there's a lot of relevance in that because there's people that call, you know, think, you know, or teach out there to go make 100 phone calls, tell them you're a cash investor, and it's like, yeah, you and everybody else. You know, you got to separate yourself, and it's sometimes taking the time to show these agents that you care about them, you care that they close the deal, not just about buying that one property, and solidify the relationship for a long term. It's uh, we're we're huge on relationships, not just with agents but with our employees, our team, our investors, everybody. If you care about people and you show them you care, you're going to separate yourself a little bit different than other
0: people. I love it. Yeah, I saw you, know, you guys have that picture of your you and your staff at, what was it, the driving... Uh, oh, K1 Speed. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Okay, What anything else? What else on the buying side? I mean, what's that look like every day? What is, you know, you have your you have a marketing person and an acquisitions person. Did you say?
1: Yeah. So the relationships is one part of it. You know, we still hit, it, hit the MLS up when we we see an opportunity to you know to have another conversation with another agent. And then actually, one of the things that you know we wanted to bring up is we're constantly learning as well and constantly you know tweaking our business, finding new and better ways to do things. And you had a, a gentleman on Tucker Marahue, um yep. who was also on Bigger Pockets podcast and. Uh-huh. When I listened to that first one, I immediately saw a connection to his business and our business. And I, I actually reached out to him and, and we had a phone conversation. Right oh, before.
0: awesome. Yeah, he's a great guy.
1: Yeah, I got a kick out of it. And, you know, it was one of those things that it was outside my comfort zone, but I just had to do it. Good for you. We've modeled our marketing campaign almost identically around his. Wow. And if he's doing something successful, the highest form of uh, of flattery is copying, right? Exactly. So, you know, I basically... My marketing assistant and I have been working on this campaign for several weeks, and uh, we've been doing other things for a while, online marketing and whatnot, but now we're heavily doing direct mail, and a lot of, again, we have 10 pillars, so there's a lot of different ways that we're trying to get our name and our brand out there, but our direct mail is is very similar to the way
0: Tucker Meredith goes. Okay, so you're doing, so these 10 pillars, I mean, number one of them is networking. I mean, these are all acquisition type methods, correct?
1: Yeah. uh, We have networking
0: relationships. Uh, Flyers, AdWords. Now let's jump back. So Flyers, (laughs) what are you doing with your Flyers?
1: We put Flyers out on every property. It tells them about us as a company. We list the upgrades that we did and we leave them there in the property for real estate agents and buyers to grab so they know who the seller is that did this work so they can have faith and that we stand behind it. And we also, we have a couple call to actions on there just to let everybody know that sees it whether or not they're in the market now, just knowing what we do and how we do it.
0: Okay. So direct mail flyers, relationships, what was the next one? AdWords. AdWords. Okay. So Google AdWords, you're paying uh, yes. like pay-per-click type stuff. Yeah.
1: Pay-per-click, squeeze pages. We have probably about 10 websites out right now. And we're nice. Another one.
0: Dude. Awesome. And are you, are you seeing decent results from that?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's an ever-growing process. It's a long-term strategy. And it grows over time. The more websites you add, the more keywords you find and target. It's an ever-growing thing. But yeah, we, we get a roughly five, ten a week. Awesome. And just recent, too, I mean, the, the case study that we
2: did on your website, uh-huh. that was the first one that was generated from our website. out of. Uh,
1: nice. Yeah. So in, I think we got three yeah. this month off the website, right? We have four more since then. So it's just growing that momentum the same way that we totally. bought our first property. You ride it, you keep you consistently go at it, and the momentum and the, the ball keeps
0: rolling. Great. Okay, well, it's the next pillar. This is fun. I like this pillar stuff. Yeah. Uh,
1: me <laughs> me off guard here. I shouldn't have brought it up without my notes. Um, so we talked about the website. Um, we, Do we talk about direct mail already?
0: Yeah. Let's dive in a little more into direct mail. Are you doing postcards or are you doing letters or both? Both.
1: Um, yellow letters to absentee probate divorce and driving for dollars and we have uh postcards for every door direct
0: mail okay yeah just like tucker sound like tucker <laughs> and, <laughs> actually we didn't talk about every door direct mail with tucker but i heard him talk about that as well so um okay so tell us a little more about some of those every door direct mail how does that work what well, does that mean for admit, people you know, out like there it's,
1: it's brand new but okay um, it's fine it's a postcard it was a postcard that we developed and, again, very similar to Tucker. I, I, I wasn't lying when I said we, we were uh, copying him a little yeah, bit. We have, we have a dog, my dog, that we bring in the office here. He's kind of our little mascot. So took a picture of him. We put him on a postcard. <laughs> and nice. Houses and we're, you know, we're sending it out to uh, 2,500 homes uh, around San Diego. It works out to to only about I think eighteen cents a postcard, and it's blanket marketing and it's, I don't know how effective it's going to be but it's something we're trying,
0: yeah, and so just for the record, every door, it means you can get it for a lot cheaper because they're not fil you know filtering through the mail and figuring out who to give it to they're just giving it to every single person, which that causes their cost to be down and you're able to do it for you said eighteen cents, which is phenomenal I think so yeah don't don't you know we won't hold you to that we weren't going to <laughs> <laughs> but I know you know like Tucker said it's really inexpensive. And like you said, it's blanket marketing. It's not quite as targeted, but it's a great way to hit. If you really want to focus on a specific neighborhood, then it's a great way to really cream those specific neighborhoods and really get your message out there. So that's absolutely amazing. Now, how if someone wanted to do that, what do they do? They call the post office or...
1: Sorry, cut out a little bit. What did you say?
0: Okay, if somebody wants to do the Every Door Direct mail, who do they contact? How do they go about doing that?
1: Actually, USPS.com has... Uh, if you go on there and just search Every Door Direct, they have... Uh, it'll it'll take you to their site, on their site, just specific for every door direct. You put in your zip code or city, and it'll, they'll give you a list of vendors that print and supply the postcards directly to the post office. It turns into kind of a one, one-stop shop. So basically, we designed the postcard. We gave it to the print company. They're going to print it, um, postage it, put the addresses on – or not the addresses, sorry, it's for every house on the mail route – so they'll package them up for that specific mail route, give them to the post office, and post office will take care of it. Awesome. So
0: awesome. The the
1: website will have the directory of, of the vendors that are registered in your area with the post
0: office. Okay, great. So let's talk about um the letters. You're you know, you're sending to divorced, you're sending to absentee. Yeah. You're sending to probate. Mm-hmm. Uh where do you get so the absentee, are you using list source or a title company to get those? Title Company title company? Okay, what do you tell the title company? Um,
1: tell them, hey, we need, we need out-of-state owners, and uh, we want owners with less than, or sorry, more than 30% equity. We want owners that have lived there for more than, or that have owned the house for more than seven years. And we get a big, long list for the entire county. My marketing assistant scrubs that list, and uh, once we, we take that list, and then we hit a chunk of that every every month.
0: Okay, so when you say scrub that list, do you mean take out like duplicate addresses or what? Yeah, take out
1: duplicates, take out corporations, um, any kind of LLC or,
0: you know, again, corporations.
1: We're we're going back and forth on the trust right now. We're still mailing to trust, but we might take those out as well.
0: Okay. So you talk about divorce and probate. What's the best way to get those lists? Just uh Again,
1: relatively relatively new on it. We're using this system called Rebo Gateway. Okay. It generates supposedly compile the, the public record data on a monthly basis and every month uh they generate the probates and divorce filings for the month prior.
0: Okay, awesome. I think we've used that company too. I don't know, I don't I have other people do that, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh sounds familiar. Okay, cool. So you're sending out are you sending out like a sequence of letters? Uh is that your goal to send out, you know, yeah. 5 to 7 letters and are you going to alternate with you think you said yellow letters and postcards or
1: Yeah uh, for those campaigns it's yellow letters and print letters and you know we might throw a postcard we're still testing you're, Yeah
0: you're testing it out it's awesome live live, live action i love it so okay very good okay so we got uh direct mail i think we're pretty good on that what's the next pillar you got there
1: Uh we throw again we throw happy hour event uh, we try to do it on a quarterly basis. The happy hours we send out to our database. We try to get them to invite, you know, people that they know. We put together. We, you know, we, we buy drink tickets. We hand out two to each person that come, and and we just try to just another no, another form of networking, but it's just another uh, another avenue to do it.
0: Awesome. So you just have those at a restaurant, and you just invite everyone who you want to network with. Yeah. Exactly. Very cool. It's getting
1: getting FaceTime. You always got to stay in front of the people that you're working with that are referring you business because they're getting calls all the time. So it's keeping that sure. relationship up and, and hopefully grow a new one.
0: For sure. I mean, that's when, when you get a deal or that's who's going to be on your mind. Those people yeah. who, uh, you know, invited you out to those events and yeah, you got in front of them and built that relationship. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. So Brian went and got his note sheet so we could have the 10 Pillars. Now, not only do we have the four pillars, now we have the ten pillars. Let's see how much I can confuse you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so probably talked about a lot of these already. We left it at the event, right? Yes. All right. So, uh, in addition, we we have an email newsletter that goes out every two weeks. It goes out to our entire database of email. It, every agent that shows a property that we can snag their info, we we put them on that list. Nice. Um, That's a great great by. newsletter, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And we, we just consistently try to get that out there. It's always interesting trying to come up with topics, but, uh, you know, we do it so, uh, so we can continue to stay out in front of people. It's also a good, good avenue to get, get the properties that we're, you know, we're finishing up and getting them out in front of people. Um, so we talked about flyers. In that, I also had, we put signs up on a lot of our properties, too, uh, to help the branding of the company. And so, you know, just REIG renovations, get out there with our phone number. And, you know, we've gotten a few calls out of it. Again, it's just generate that branding. Um, our My marketing assistant is posting to Craigslist uh, a couple times a week. We actually, we recently got a wholesale deal because of it. Jeez, um, you guys it, are
0: the second it, it, people I've heard of in a week that got a deal from Craigslist. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you post to Craigslist, more or less? Uh, oh, God, I don't know. There's He's got like a, 50 variations
1: of ads that he posts. You know, three or four every couple of days. Okay, I guess
0: what is the objective? So, the objective is to get people to sell you houses. So, you're basically saying, Hey, I buy houses type thing, or?
1: Exactly. You know, some of them go to sellers. Some of them are directed to wholesalers. Some of them are just to generate links that go to our our squeeze pages.
0: nice. um, Okay, so you can do that on Craigslist? You can just say, Hey, looking to buy houses. Yeah. Okay. I don't don't know a ton (laughs) about Craigslist, so I, I wasn't.
1: I mean, it's one of those things that even before we had our marketing assistant, I would outsource to you know using Odesk and have somebody just post regularly and it's just one of those low cost things that takes a couple minutes every day that you know if it pans out phenomenal okay. you can' you All can't right.
0: we're cranking, let's keep going
1: um social media is another one again, just branding. We haven't generated a deal from it, but it's actually something we're looking to expand here in the next couple of weeks and months, okay going back to relationships you know kind of door to door you know marcel goes out there and and knocks on doors and sets up meetings with new agents in that way um and then we have on here telemarketing again that's kind of like the mls it's just getting out there and trying to hit a certain amount of calls on a weekly basis to generate those face-to-face meetings that eventually generate the referral partnership
0: okay and when she's knocking on doors what doors is she knocking on you said realtor like uh is she going to mortgage broker doors okay Realtors, gotcha. you
1: know, real estate offices. He actually, you know, we have a preferred escrow company and, and every once in a while he goes around and, and with the escrow officer that goes around and knocks on the door and the escrow officer introduces him new agents. Nice. Uh, it's just one of those, those leverage relationship building.
0: That's techniques. really smart. I've never even thought of that. <laughs> Leveraging the other relationships you have because they, it's so much different just doing like a cold door knock. I mean, that's great. But yeah. if you've got an escrow officer or a title agent or someone with you who can say, hey, these guys are killing it. You know, yeah. that that's great. Okay.
1: We covered most of it. Okay, cool.
0: Awesome. Well, I mean, so what you're doing, and this is what I preach all the time, you know, you got to fill that deal funnel. I mean, that you got to fill that lead generation funnel. And so many people just don't do that. Or maybe they'll spend like half hour a week trying to find a house, but they're not. There's so many things. And I wish people could see my hands right now. But it's like, you got this funnel up here, you know, and it's going to be smaller at the Bottom when the deal comes out, but if you're not filling that thing, you know, the more lines you got in the water, the more fish you're going to catch, right? So that's awesome, guys. So, so you have all these deals, lead generations coming up. But so, the goal is to, I assume, make the phone ring, right? What happens when the phone rings? Whose job is it to answer that? How does that go down? Where does that call go?
1: It's still an ever growing process, but it goes to Danny, our marketing assistant. His job is to manage the marketing campaigns, his job is to uh, keep our websites updated and and get our continually get those leads in. And then when the leads come in, he pre screens them. He builds the report and gets the information from them, and then passes them on to uh, to Marcel, who's our acquisition manager, if it's a deal worth looking into.
0: Okay, so he kind of pre screens it, then passes it on to her. Love it. Now, now we kind of do something similar like that because you get a lot of junk. You got you to screen filter through that, and you guys yeah. don't want to. You can spend all day long. I've been there. You could spend all day long looking at junk. And then you go to bed at night, you're like, I spent like 15 hours today looking at junk. (laughs) It's a horrible feeling. (laughs) It can be
1: disheartening, that's for sure. And I still feel like relationships are by far the best way to to grow this business. It's a small industry. And and if you you keep your word and and consistently go out there and put yourself in front of people, the relationship is really how you're going to take the next step in the business. But the marketing, you you always got to have, like you said, different lines in the water. And and the marketing is, is one of those lines that... You know, you can get on a consist. once you can get it into a system that's a consistent process that you can tweak and, and improve, you know, it's just another
0: form of business. Absolutely. Totally agree. Good stuff. Okay, so what else do we got? Are we, are we good with buying or do you have anything else for buying? Should we jump into the next one?
1: Um, I, Pat, I've been talking for a while. No, I, just, <laughs>
2: I, I just want to echo the sentiments. I mean, we're big on relationships. we actually leveraging our relationships for their relationships is huge. You know, having that preferred lender who's gonna who's actually gonna help you grow your business, not just want your business, but help you grow your business. And getting those people that have the common goal and visions and principles is is been something that's key for us and, and really we we pay attention to what others are out there doing in the industry. Coming from the asset management background, we got a different window into the REOs and agents and how they work and, and now we're kind of circling back to some of those relationships, you know, a couple of years after we left that part of the industry, but there's power in just being a personal person, caring about people and letting that project out to people and, and really leveraging other people's relationships.
0: Awesome. What, was there an earthquake over there or what? I just saw like the whole room shake and I heard a noise. <laughs> Everybody okay? Yeah, yeah we're good. I guess I would have felt it here in San Clemente if you guys had it in San Diego, huh? So, Okay, let's move on to, to financing. How do you guys getting all these deals financed? I mean, forty houses in San Diego County, that's a lot of dough. How are you going about getting those financed?
2: You mentioned the number that we've raised. We've bought almost twenty six million dollars worth of real estate in the last uh last two years. That's a lot. And, and back to also what we said, you know, we each put in twenty five hundred dollars in our first deal and haven't put another dime besides what we've made and and shoveling it back into the business right now. but We've done it by, it started our first one uh, was um, two guys that were doing it. They came to us as asset managers thinking, you know, everybody thought asset managers were the golden spoon to these REOs. So people would, uh, that was kind of the pedestal it gave us to talk to others with a little bit of credibility. So they were coming to us for deals. We were finding deals and good at talking to agents and finding them. And we just got our first renovation. We got them to put up 100% of the cash. We brought the deal to them, we managed the renovation and then uh, and managed the sale of it and they put up the cash on it. So our first couple of deals, it was that model, um, which granted, you know, I don't come from a family with money. Brian doesn't either. We didn't have people that were selling and got us to find these deals. We didn't know this relationship before we started. It's once we got into wholesaling and just by funneling our wholesales out there, we came across this guy by word of mouth, you know, somebody introduced us and then uh, got him to put up the first deal. Did a couple more like that, got a little bit more cash. And then our the next phase was going into hard money and uh, getting a, a smaller investor to put up 50, 60 grand in a second trustee position for the gap funds and then uh, hard money. And, and actually our hard money lender, who we have a really good relationship with now, we built that relationship. We we're doing, I think it was our second wholesale deal. We were on title. So we had to go in and actually sign the hard money docs for the guy who we were handing the deal off. And that's what opened the door to meeting this Hard money lender, and that's been the big contingency uh, thus far. Has is, is been gap funds and hard money lender. Um, couple joint ventures on some higher end homes because we, we did target some of the higher custom end homes. That's been the contingency of, of raising the funds, and it's always a growing learning thing. Any business, the the main restriction of, of growth of any business is capital. So sourcing new funds of capital is always going to be, no matter if we're doing flips, where we're making twenty five grand or. Uh, you know what we have planned down the line is, is doing bigger uh, commercial deals and and development type deals. We're still gonna always be growing and sourcing new funds.
0: It's crazy to me. What was so exciting after I was in this business for? Actually, I was in the business for. You guys are way ahead of me. I was in the business for like two to three years before I started to really understand money and rates of returns. I just remember like one day just being like, as you start to understand that financing and how the leveraging the capital can work. To exponentially increase your returns on your own capital and build your business is just phenomenal. So pretty fun stuff. All right, well, let's get on to rehabbing. You guys have some of the most amazing rehabs I've ever seen. How do you guys go about managing so many rehabs and having them turn out so incredible?
2: Well, I mean, it, we, we have. It's been a good journey. I'm not going to lie. There's been pain. There's been growing pains in it. And, and, and I think everybody who's authentic will tell you the same that not every deal is a home run. It, uh, for sure, there's a lot of deals that you don't make money on, and a lot of deals that are just education. It, it you got to learn somehow, and a lot of times you learn by doing.
0: Someone once told me, if uh, you know, if someone tells you they haven't lost money on a house, they either haven't done very many deals or they're lying. So it's yeah. It's, sorry uh, for cutting you off there. <laughs>
2: no, no it, it's true. I mean, it, I think that being authentic and letting people know the pain is important, and. You got to get out there and do it and try it and, and try different things. So what we did for all of last year, we outsourced to contractors, uh, worked with a couple of different contractors. And I come from a construction background, so I, I have a little understanding just more as a worker, not running the construction company uh, from growing up. But what, what we saw was it was very hard for contractors to make money servicing investors. You know, an investors got uh, you got a, a 1960s house that needs. 70 grand worth of work, but your contractor, you got 40 grand to do it. it. It's really hard for a contractor to make money on that. And so we saw, you know, not just our projects, but seeing other, our peers in the industry who are out there doing the same thing. We saw a lot of different people doing models and hybrid models off of managing the, the, the actual projects. Um, and I saw a lot of contractors go out of business, not being able to manage, you know, they know how to swing a hammer, they know, have the fundamentals of construction. but there's not too many contractors who are good business people and running a business, sure. and and so what we did and it's evolved. My theory going into this year in 2013 was, well, if we can do it in house and save five grand a project over you know 50 projects, you do the math. It covers taking and, and that was our first step on bringing a contractor in house as a project manager, and we had some ups and downs with that it's you know it's a whole another animal when you're totally. managing you know it's a lot easier to do a contract with somebody for 40 grand and give them four checks for $10,000 uh-huh. as opposed to managing every home depot trip every nail every you know the, across the board it's difficult it's not easy and so we we kind of went to a hybrid model of having a contractor in house had had our ups and downs with that we didn't save money like we thought going into it we actually went over budget because we were addressing more, more things than what we may have been when we were contracting out, because we were there physically seeing some of the things that these houses needed, and we were trying to separate ourselves and do a little bit more customizations with the houses as well, instead of just the same Home Depot vanities or whatnot. And so what we ended up doing is just full on one of our project managers who was a licensed GC. We hung his license with uh in in and we started an in-house construction company and went from. It was the two of us a year ago in August at the peak of it. This summer, summer we were managing twelve active projects at a time, and we had forty employees. Wow! And uh, all of a sudden, you know, we fell down, hit our head, and decided to start a construction company. Uh,
0: that's and, awesome!
2: <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're managing, you know, all these people and problems and issues and funds. I mean, the, the, to go from where we were to the amount of just cash flow that it requires to run twelve projects at a time. Some of them are bigger projects. We have a couple of houses on the market now that are at the million dollar price point that we put two to three hundred grand into. Nice. So, all in all, you know, the pain with that is my theory wasn't correct in in actuality of saving the cost that I thought we would, but we learned a lot. We were leveraging into a construction company um, that is full blown. We're getting a lot of uh, people saying, hey, you know, I love what you did to that house. Can you do that for my house? So, we're leveraging the portfolio that we built out of these 60 houses and the product that we were able to generate out there to, we've built a construction company now and, and are servicing some higher end retail.
0: Nice.
2: And uh, just, you know, flipping, it'll always be around, but the magnitude, of what we saw, it might not be what it was. So kind of leveraging it into other areas, the market and building and real estate is going to focus that the journey of, you know, getting a little bit more intimate on the construction side. is that, That's where we're at today.
0: That's so cool. So you are you currently doing am I understanding you're doing uh, rehabs for other companies too or other individuals or
2: individuals, like I said, the investor model is really hard to start totally. making. Yes. You know, and, and we did we do have a passion and a skill set for doing some of the custom homes and that's where we're getting people who are able to see our houses. So on, on the flyer part of it, we're doing flyers in our projects on the REIG construction as well. And we're generating business off of that kind of organically. As our investments have grown and we're doing more projects for ourselves, it's organically growing the construction company.
0: And I think that's fantastic. I mean, I consider myself more of a business owner than a real estate investor. Real estate just happens to be the product, which I am currently and, you know, and have been for the last six and a half years and probably will forever, (laughs) is a great vehicle to do that. So good for you guys for uh, finding an additional stream of income within that that's really cool so um, all right any anything else with uh, on the rehab side I mean don't be afraid to make mistakes you know like,
1: like Pat said we we made plenty and uh, we've gone over budget and uh, you know if it was any different market we probably would have lost money but uh we got lucky a little bit and you know we'll take it we'll take the luck and and that education that we got and we're you know firing on all cylinders now but the renovation side is, especially for me, going into it, I had no construction knowledge. I still, you know, I'm I'm not handy whatsoever. So it, it was overwhelming for me to think, you know, how are we going to be able to go out there and fix a house if we don't really know what we're supposed to look for? Partnering with people was a big part of that. But other than that, you got to, that, that contractor relationship, which is how you have to start, that contractor relationship is very important. You know, vet the contractors very well, make sure you trust them, and you you know, get some references, the contractor is a very important part of your team. And it can bring it down pretty quickly. So for sure.
2: And and I think that's a big thing. You know, we've prided ourselves on the product that we're able to put out there. There's a lot of companies out there that don't care about cutting corners and making more money. And that's the problem that I saw with the contractor is, you give them 40 grand to do a project, they're going to do everything in their power to only spend 25, even if that means covering up things. And a lot of people, obviously, they're trying to get into this to make money. But if that's your only motive, it's going to catch up to you. You might cut corners and save some money here and there, but in the long run, it, it will catch up to you. And that's been a big thing. That's what our the Times have gotten on the local news here has been the theme they throw is lipstick on a pig. There's a lot of companies out there that will cover up issues for the short-term gain, and that can't be your focus. You're not going to last long in the industry if if that's your focus, is is purely greed and money. It should be more about doing the right thing. It's an opportunity not only to revitalize some rundown houses out there, uh, but also have an impact on the people that are around you, uh, your teams, the the community. So you know, if you're new to it and you don't have a a vast knowledge of construction – might be better to partner up with somebody that may have some construction experience. There's a lot of different models out there. You know, there's models of of doing the construction yourself, doing the work yourself. I was talking to a guy a week ago. We did a charity poker event and had a bunch of peers in the office as we were playing poker. And uh, there's a guy, he only partners up. He does joint ventures with contractors because that contractor now has a vested interest to put a good product out there as well. So there's a lot of hybrid models on it. You know, we did the going to 30 construction employees. Uh, we trimmed back down and, and kind of cut the bottom 10% and got a little bit more lean and and uh, are getting more out of the team we have and utilizing some subs. So we're always growing and learning and trying to make the system better and learn from our mistakes because that's the only way you're you're going to get better is by looking in the mirror and saying, what well, could I have done better in this area? So that, that would be my word of advice is, is don't take the construction part lightly pay attention to the people that you're hiring to do the job if you're going to hire a contractor because there are a lot of people out there that will cut corners to make an extra buck and it's on your shoulders as the investor uh, when that happens so look out for it
0: love it great info great advice so let's really quickly i mean selling a house I always kind of skim through it because it's kind of just sell the house, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty much, we try. You, you try to make the house as, as nice as it can, and, and it sells itself. And uh, and that's what, what the renovation team's been able to do. And Pat and, and his wife, uh, Jacqueline, put out amazing layouts, amazing designs, and, and they sell themselves. So
0: Now, something I thought was pretty incredible on your guys' case study was there was somebody on the comments section who thought you did some incredible stuff with, the exterior, the the landscape of the house, and it was really just your pictures, right?
1: Exactly. Uh, good reminder. The, yeah, the photos are such an integral part of selling the property because most everybody is looking online when they're they're shopping for a home, right? So Thanks. you want to put out the best property in this best possible light. We pay someone one hundred and forty nine dollars. They go out there to every single property. They take amazing photos. They yeah, they they touch them up. They make the colors brighter. They pop out of the screen when you're looking at them online. That's awesome. And that gets the attention. Again, in the case study, the difference between taking a phone on your, a picture on your iPhone, putting up on the MLS, and having a professional photo is night and day. Oh, and yeah. You'll get so many more buyers walking through your property just because you know they look at it and they're like, dang, that house looks amazing. Yep. And it's such a minimal expense that I see people that don't do it. I kick myself for them. Um, another part, real quick. On the- <laughs> kick yourself. How about kick Patrick for him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another part, real quick on the selling side which has been a huge help for us is, is having that preferred lender uh, our preferred lender is on my speed down I mean he's one of my good friends now you know we, we see eye to eye in, in the way business should be run I mean, you know we I go to mastermind events with them you know we, we coach each other it's been a great relationship that part of the business the preferred lender when you're selling a property especially when you're you're getting top of the market usually because you're selling a finished product that lender is such an integral part of that sale that Getting somebody in there that you can put in front of the buyer to say, hey, you know, I know you probably have a lender, give this guy a shot. You know, I'd say about 25% of the time, especially on the ones that we know we're pushing up on values, we really push him to be the lender on that file. And uh, it's always, you know, it's worked out. I think we've come under value and appraisal one time in, in out of the 60 properties we've sold so far. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, we have a preferred lender too. And just for the record, a preferred lender, I, I think you covered this pretty well, but a preferred lender is somebody who well you guys tell me do you use them to cross qualify every buyer or how do you go about that introduction to hey maybe use our preferred lender
1: the cross qualification is pretty much it. you just put on the MLS exactly. or counter offer hey you know, I, you know i know you got your loan pre approval i just want you to cross qualify with our lender if it's a multiple offer situation usually you know i've got this form template email that i send out that says hey this guy is amazing you use them you know, it'll weigh heavily in our offer decision and, uh,
0: Nice. Okay. I have never thought of that because you can't force someone to use your lender. No, but if they kind of know, Hey, this is a good thing, you might want to do it (laughs) and it'll help the transaction go smoothly. So that's key, right?
1: When you have somebody that has something to lose, if they drop the ball, you know, they've got more invested in the deal than another lender and and they're going to every single time, you know, loans are tough. Stuff is going to go wrong. When it does, and the guys on your team as well, if his reputation's on the line, he's going to fight tooth and nail to make yep. it
0: happen. And for the record, you know, everyone out there, I mean, there are, you know, especially right now with how lending has tightened up, there are a lot of people out there who will fall through. You know, you go thirty, forty-five days or more in escrow, and they just fall through, and then you lost your buyer and. You know, in this current market that hasn't been too bad. <laughs> but we, we just had it happen to us. A couple <laughs> weeks. Uh, didn't use our lender and look what happened. You know, yeah. well, the couple times it's happened to us this year, we're like, "Woohoo! We just made another 20 grand." <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, that's not the goal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's
2: shifted a little bit too. I mean, we're going going into Certain waters next year. so Exactly. Having, yeah. I'm seeing more people, you know, properties are sitting a little bit longer. You, you got to separate yourself again. You know, before it, you didn't really have to do anything. I've, I've seen more people wouldn't even landscape the front or backyard and still get 10 offers on a home. And now you uh, throw a little mulch in an area and you get people saying, oh, it's an unfinished product. It's like it, yep. it's market shifted a little bit. Yeah,
0: market. Yeah, you're right. Uncertain waters is the best way. You know, we're going to the holiday season, interest rates, things going on uh, with, banks and go anyway you're absolutely right you gotta you gotta watch your numbers you gotta put out a nice product i couldn't agree more so there's
2: a couple two other things i want to add on the selling um (laughs) one is staging some people don't do it we're big believer in it we used to outsource it now we we have about 10 sets of furniture we stage our own houses wow and um it on this one that brian was talking about where the buyer fell out we we were past the appraisal, we were going to close, and something came up on the buyer's loan, and it fell out. I had already pulled the staging furniture and moved it to another house, so we had a weekend where it wasn't staged, and people were going through the house. And we just we put 105 grand into this house, did a 500 square foot addition, rebuilt the house pretty much. And just because we didn't have furniture in for that weekend, some of the comments were the house seems unfinished. And it's oh like, man! Because I don't have my thousand dollars worth of staging furniture in there. Oh man. So that the photos are a big thing. You know, a lot of buyers today are shopping on Zillow. They're not going through an agent. They're not going out and seeing it. They're shopping online. So that's a big thing. The photos. Um, I've even heard of people doing digitally st- staging, where they maybe thousand dollars, <laughs> a little more cheesy, but they throw you know a bed digitally in there, just on you know they edit the photos. That's one thing. And then uh, another big thing too, and this is more for you know once you're doing doing well and selling some homes giving back. We donate on every property. We, we donate to Wounded Warrior Homes. That's
0: awesome. We, I, I was going to ask you, I was going to wanted to talk about that. So let's just go yeah, for it.
2: So we do it because it's Pat, you know, I'm a disabled vet. I'm passionate about it. Brian's passionate about helping their cause, but we also, there's another side to it. We throw, we have a poster that we do in every home on an easel. So when buyers come into the house, they see that poster. It's Wounded Warrior Homes thanking REIG for their donation. It. Changes their perception a little bit about who they're buying the home from. It yep. it changes the appraisal. We do a lot of VA loans in our market, and when a VA appraiser sees that you know we're donating to this you know this home to or we're donating money from this home to that good cause, you know I have a feeling that's one of the reasons why we've done well on not getting dinged on a lot of appraisal. Uh-huh. Those those little things people see they pay attention to. Not only do I think that everybody should try and help out and use their businesses as, as vehicles to help others, and that's really what our focus comes down to, but it also does, it looks better when you're selling something. If, yeah, if I love it. And, and,
0: it. and that's the beauty of abundance. I mean, you can give and usually end up being better off than you were before. Uh, so yeah. good for you guys, man. I, I know that's kind of one of the big things I, I think of when I think of you guys, you know, someone who's. Uh, very authentic genuine and gives back you know to charity and uh, anyway just top notch
1: guys well thank you we had the benefit of getting involved with Wounded Warrior Homes at the beginning and it's been half the reason why we push ourselves as hard as we do because they need the support and we're a good means to get their name out there Uh, they, they work their their butts off and they don't get paid for it and they're putting everything towards these veterans and you know, to see that and to see us making money, I mean, it's a drop in the drop in the hat compared to, you know, the sacrifice they're making. So I would recommend finding, finding a local charity, attaching yourself to it. It's great for branding. It's great for keeping you motivated. It's, uh, I I mean, it's phenomenal on so many levels.
0: Absolutely. At the end of the day, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the goal is to be happy, right? And I mean, if you're just, You know, after the almighty dollar and there's no other end in sight. I mean, what you get to the end, it's like, okay, you know, so I love it. Deeper purpose, giving back. It's what it's all about.
2: When Tony Alvarez brought it up on Benjamin Franklin, you know, he didn't care about something attached to his name. He happened to create things that were of value for people. But if you focus on doing the right thing, the money will come. You don't have that beer focus and focus on doing the right thing on the product you're doing, the impact you can have on the community, your team. The people around you you're gonna if that's gonna resonate to people and that's what is gonna separate you from the rest of the pack
0: just give me chills man and you know at the end of the night you're gonna sleep better and you're gonna feel good about yourself so that's yep. that's what it's all about guys so anyway. well uh man you guys lived up to it i know you were a little concerned uh okay i'm gonna throw it out there they, they were a little concerned you know because <laughs> they heard tony alvarez you know we haven't an, another one. Well, oh, actually i'm gonna be on the uh well, you guys have already heard me because when you listen to this one, you'll have already heard me, <laughs> but you guys have lived up to it, man. I mean, a couple of years, you guys just have a ton going on. You're adjusting, which I see. I mean, all the buying systems you're talking about, I totally, you're adjusting to what the market is giving you and you're adapting quickly, implementing just tons of content you shared. Thank you so much. We're all better off because of you. Is there any uh, final parting words of advice uh that you would give to anyone out there who looking to get going
1: good question
0: it's all it all comes down to the why um you know why we do
1: what we do, and there's many different reasons you know that that we push ourselves as hard as hard as we do. It's all specific to each person you gotta find those reasons and once you find those reasons and they're you know dug into your core you're there's nothing that's gonna stand in your way and uh you know that that why, you know, is extremely important. So you fi- you figure that out, and you figure that out quick, and you'll go far.
2: Yeah, I, I uh, before I close out on mine, I just want to say, if, if you guys have any questions, you know, we're we're an open book. We want to help people out there because, you know, the more impact you can have, I know it's the greater impact that we can have on everybody. So, you know, sign up for our, our newsletter. Reach out if there's some forms that maybe Brian talked about or some processes that you want to get more information on. Reach out to us. Go to our website at r e i g a m Alpha Mary uh, r e i g a m dot com. Sign up for our newsletter. Reach out to us. We'd love to help you guys out. And you know, kind of my last note on it is be a life learner. It's not about you know people. You go to school, you get your degree, you take your test, you're done. It's be a life learner. Always challenge. You, always grow. And you know, you got to think big to do big things. And that's the bottom line. You got to think it to do it, and you can achieve it. You just got to get off your butt and, and go out and do it.
0: Love it. I, I was just going to ask you how can they, uh, you know, what's your website? How they can, can they connect with you? when you already threw that out there. Facebook, you guys are all over Facebook. You do your Friday. Uh, what do you do every Friday? Like a renovation Friday, something?
1: Weekend Warrior renovation. Weekend Church.
0: Warrior, there we go. Love it. So, uh, Facebook, how can they connect with you on Facebook? Uh, Facebook.com backslash REIG group. Okay, awesome. REIG group. Perfect. So, That's it. Go to their website. We'll link up to all this in the show notes. These guys are great. I'm sure any questions you have as well, if you put them in the the show notes. And uh, I will mention what the link to the show notes will be (laughs) here shortly. But thank you guys so much. Killed it. Crushed it. Uh, I'm just looking forward to uh, connecting with you guys more in the future. And we will talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, us too, Justin. I appreciate it. And congrats on all the success, man. I love the story that you didn't want to do the podcast and you did it anyway and, and now you're just killing it. So uh, that's, that's cool.
0: It's still sometimes I'm, I don't know, every time I have an interview, I'm like, okay, I got to do some jumping jacks and push ups and get, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's been fun and a lot of good has already come out of it. So just goes to show. So, all right, sure. guys, have a good one. We will see you soon. Thanks, Thanks, Justin. See ya. Wow. How about that for an amazing interview? You know, I wanted to bring someone on who hasn't been doing this business very long, who had a full-time job when they got started out, just to show some of you out there who are trying to get into this business that you can do it. And those guys are just crushing it. I'm just amazed. I love how no matter what got in their way, they just made it happen. And that's what I encourage you all to do. Find a way to make it happen, not a way to not make it happen. Because there are people who will do that no matter what. They will find a way to not make it happen. Don't be that person. Don't let yourself be that person. Find the way to make it work, and it will. You can find the show notes for today's episode at housekeepinghq.com episode 10. Go ahead and go there. Uh, check out any links that we have connected to the show, and ask any questions you have. Put them in the comment section. And myself, And or Patrick and Brian will be more than happy to answer those for you. Okay, so a couple other quick things I wanted to make mention of before we go today. So as we know, the Christmas season is among us. And, you know, everyone's out busy shopping, getting ready. It's exciting. Santa Claus, reindeer, the the whole gamut. And it's a it's a pretty exciting time of year. So this year for Christmas, rather than just, you know, buy the kids presents and focus on ourselves, we wanted to uh, try and do a little something more. So my amazing wife uh, that she is uh, did some research and found a really incredible program right here in San Clemente that helps a lot of unfortunate families and situations, people who are either homeless or are about to become homeless, and she researched them out and we went by their office and you know we had the opportunity to adopt a couple families for Christmas this year so that's pretty cool we're excited about it it's going to be something really good for the kids uh, we're just excited to be able to help some people that are, are really in need and uh, you know may not be able to have much of a christmas otherwise so that was a pretty cool experience however as i looked through that stack of families that need to be helped i just i can't help but wish i And we could help all of them. Uh, There's so many people in need, and so many people that need that feeling of love and joy this time of year that you know we all strive to experience. So something that I thought might be kind of cool is you know to have everyone have a chance to kind of participate and see if we can't maybe adopt a couple more families. You know, it costs about fifty dollars on average to adopt a family, just you know depending on what you do for them. But I had this idea where, as you all know. Uh, The name of this game on the podcasting world is Get Ratings and Reviews, and you know I'm always trying to get ratings and reviews. So I talked to Tara, and something that we've decided to do for now up until December 20th is for every rating and review we get, we'll donate $10 from our housekeeping business to go towards adopting another family. Now, I would love to be able to adopt an additional five families, I just think that'd be really cool, and I think it's very doable. So we have a couple weeks to try to get an additional 25 ratings and reviews and, you know, go and adopt those additional five families. Once again, to leave us a rating and review for the podcast, you can go to the House Flipping HQ website, and there's a spot there where you can click on it, and then you can go leave a rating and review, or you can go to houseflippinghq.com podcast. And that's lowercase podcast, and there you can leave us a hopefully five star rating and review, and I will keep you posted on the progress and also how it goes with the families, and we're really looking forward to that. Okay, so on a completely different topic, something I wanted to make mention of is it's been a couple months uh, or so since we've started the Housekeeping HQ website and podcast. And we're just really excited about how the way things have been going. Uh, things are going really well. A lot of people have earned a ton. We've gotten a ton of great feedback. However, I am continuously, even more and more recently, I'm getting emails uh, and comments from people who are asking if I would do any personal coaching or have a mentor program or any mastermind group or anything like that. They just want, they want a little bit more. You know, they want that additional accountability or that feeling of belonging to a group where they can work together and get to know each other. And you know, if they have a deal, they have someone they can bring it to and say, "Hey, what do you think about this specific deal?" And you know, get those questions answered in the way that they need. And uh, at that same time, I'll be very honest in saying, you know, the the cost of putting on a production like we've been putting on is has been much more costly than I had ever imagined. You know, we've been able to pull it off because fortunately of everything that how things have gone so well in the house, our housekeeping business. But, you know, as, as an investor, um, the return, I'm, I'm always looking at that as well. So I've been tossing around in my mind for, you know, several weeks now the idea of maybe putting something together. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not talking anything even close to you all know how anti Guru, big, huge, uh, expensive coaching program I am. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But I've considered, you know, putting something together that's kind of in the middle, something kind of similar to the podcast group that I am part of, um, that's been really beneficial to me. So I've been toying around with doing some kind of mastermind uh, slash coaching group where, you know, it's incredibly cost affordable. That a lot of people can come together. You know, I'm not giving you my personal number. It's just, you know, not something that's going to be able to make sense right now. But, you know, something where we can come together and people who are interested help each other on a more tight-knit level. Now, I want to be 100% clear here. This is just something I'm still thinking about and just want to see how much interest we would have in something like that uh, in order to even consider it. So if that's something you think you would be interested in, shoot me an email at justin at HousehoopingHQ.com and we'll, you know, we'll see the level of interest we have and go from there. Alrighty. And with that, we have come to the close of another House Whipping HQ podcast. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Let us know how things are going. I'm excited. We've already heard of, you know, a couple success stories, uh, small but yet success stories and keep those, keep them going. I want to hear your progress. want to hear what you're doing, hear the action you're taking and just hear that you're out there crushing it and, you know, going after your dreams and making things happen. Next week, we'll be hearing from Robert Fragoso with Anchor Loans, who this guy has been involved in more. Housekeeping transactions than anybody I know of. Incredible interview, uh, the longest by far interview I've ever done. So be ready for that, man. We dive into some incredible uh, systems. Uh, We talk about how to really streamline your business. We talk a ton about hard money lending and what to look for in that. Uh, We talked about how you can get your entire deal funded through his company or perhaps another hard money lender. I mean, we just really cover a ton. We actually give away a pretty uh, incredible prize at the end. So listen to that. And I'm just really excited. Oh, he gave some great market predictions as well. So really cover it all. I'm really excited to let you hear that one. That'll be next week. Get out there, crush it, make things happen. And we will see you on the next episode of the house flipping. HQ podcast. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast.
1: Your your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how to's and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.